We love you, Jesus. We just recognize that you're here, Jesus. That your presence is here and that you being here makes this little space different than any other space we could be in right now, Lord. Because you're here. Would you make yourself known to us by the power of your Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, would you open our ears to hear you? Open our eyes to see you? Open our minds to be able to perceive the very thoughts of the living God? Just talk to him for a moment. Just, just talk to the king. He's here. Tell him what's in your heart. Tell him what's in your heart. Tell him to praise what's in your heart. If you were to write a song to God right now, what would it sound like? What would be some of the words of that song? We love you, Jesus. Just feel when we were singing that song, actually. Um, you're never gonna let, you're never gonna let me down. Does that song, does that song in any way, that part of that song, great at your spirit right now? That you feel that you have been let down by God. Do you ever feel that way? I have. I have. I felt I wanted things to happen a certain way and it didn't. I wanted God to do certain things and he didn't do it according to my plans or my purposes. And then I hear a song like that and I go, I'm singing it through gritted teeth. I'm singing it through. I want to believe it, but my experience tells me something else. Just everyone close their eyes right now. Put up your hand if you've experienced that. That's it. Just be honest before God. That's all he wants. It's an honest heart. A contrite heart. And then we get on and sing songs like, I exalt you. And you're like, that song, that memory, that experience has already stopped us from singing that other part of the song the way we could. And here's what I've learned. Ask Jesus right now. In that experience, when you felt let down by God, where was he in that moment? What was really going on? Like surrender your perception of what was going on and ask him what was really going on and where was he? Just ask him. And in my experience when I asked him that question, do you know what he said to me? I was right there now. But you allowed disappointment. You allowed that rejection to take your attention. But the reality is I didn't even know God at the time. So I had no knowledge to look to him. He's there. Right there. Right in that moment. And when years go by and the things that we've been disappointed in I've realized that I wanted my will imposed on the situation. 
I wanted my way out. I wanted my conclusion. And when I didn't get it, that's when it, that's when disappointment set in. And then years go by and I look and I go, thank you Jesus, you never answered those prayers. There's times when I go, Jesus, I thank you that you see a bigger picture. You see the beginning from the end. And I relinquish my will. I surrender my ways to the ways that are higher. And then I can truly sing the songs out of a place of trust and exaltation of Jesus. So every lie that's attached itself to that experience, I break it in the name of Jesus. I silence that foe, that enemy of the will of God for your life. I release revelation of where Jesus was, what he was doing at that very moment. And I say receive revelation. See where he is, where he was, what he was doing. For your good and his glory. The bigger picture rather than my small little Polaroid picture. So Jesus, we just sing right now. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. I exalt thee. Oh God. I exalt thee, I exalt thee, I exalt thee, oh God. Those of us who felt that disappointment, just look to Jesus right now. Just turn to me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. One more. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. Just talk to him again. No, thank him. 
Well, thank him. I was praying to you the morning. I was listening to a song. And, um, you know, there's some songs that we sing that we sing non-truths into our lives. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was a song like, it was one of my favorite songs. It's from Delirious. And it's like, you know, people say to you, and I've said this myself, that, um, sorry, brother, uh, that um, God feels further than the moon. Have you ever said that? And there's a song that says, you know what I mean? You know, sometimes you're further than the moon, sometimes you're closer than my skin. That, that's, but I couldn't sing it. I couldn't sing it. Because you know why? It's not true. He's always there. How could this God that lives in us be further than the moon? I was like, I just couldn't sing it. I loved the song, but when I came to that bit, I'm like, I ain't singing that. I'm not singing that non-truth over my life. Because it's impossible. He says, I will never leave you. Not forsake you. So how could he be further than the moon? I was thinking that if anyone's moved, it's Noah. Because he hasn't moved. He's always been where he was. Right there. He's the God of the dare. That's one of his, that's one of his names. And it's like, break that off you. If you feel this morning, God, you're further than the moon. No. You just, this is what the Bible says. If you draw close to God, boom, you realize he's been there all the time. He's there. Just, how do I draw close to God? Jesus, here I am. Holy Spirit, will you open my eyes? Open the word of God. Sing a song to God. Just say, help me, God. Whatever it needs to be. Just something to draw us close to God. And you will see God move on your behalf. You know, we're going to look at our second psalm this morning. We're doing a series, which I don't even know. I don't even like the word series, to be honest. But um, we're, doing, we're going to walk through the psalms. We're going to look through the psalms. I, I encourage you every day um, to read a psalm. You know, if you're doing your Bible app, if you're reading through the Bible in the day, if you want to know how to do that, there's loads of apps. We have an app on our Bible, on our website that will just bring you through the Bible within a year and you're listening and now you can listen. I don't know about you, but I'm listening um, to that at the minute and uh, just listening through the Word, allowing the Word to get into me and uh, and, um, I encourage you to do, if you're doing all that, brilliant, read a psalm a day. Ask God what I do as I'm preparing to preach. God, what are you saying through this? Can I see Jesus within the psalm? Because he's everywhere. Even though he wasn't born yet, he's there. And you'll read about Jesus in the psalms. You'll read about the reality of walking with God in the psalms. You'll read, wouldn't you like, have any of us been here? I think David was like a real, real person. And, uh, you know, in this sense that when the people were coming against you, you know what he says to God? Smash their teeth in. I'm like, I like that reality, do you? It's not like, dear Jesus, will you please bless him? No, Lord, I feel like I want to smash his teeth in, and I can't get to him in Australia, but your hand can reach anywhere, would you just give him a knockout punch? You probably said I said that about my husband this morning. Oh, sorry, that was Sharon's prayer, I heard her. I overheard Sharon's prayer this morning. But read through them, ask the Holy Spirit to highlight the word to you and to your life. And isn't it amazing, there was a girl in last week, and it was her first day, first day ever in liberty. And she said, Sam Juan spoke to me. And I says, isn't it amazing, a book that was written 1600 years ago, can speak right to your heart, and where you're at today in life, today! 
That's the word of God. He can make it, it is relevant that because humans haven't changed and situations haven't changed, but he hasn't changed. If you haven't heard Psalm 1, please go and listen to last week. It's not that the follow ones in any way, it's just that you, you get tuned into where we're at. And this one is Psalm 2, because Psalm 2 follows Psalm 1. And uh, I told you I was a clever bloke, you wouldn't believe me. So um, it's going to come up on your, on the screen. And, uh, and I'm going to get it back up on my iPad here because... Chapter 2, Psalm 2. So it says, Why does the nations rebel and the, ki- and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers conspire together against the Lord and his anointed one. This is what they say, let us tear off their chains and free ourselves from their restraints. The one enthroned in heaven laughs, the Lord ridicules them. He speaks to them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. I have consecrated my king on Zion, my holy mountain, and I will declare the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son and today I become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. And the ends of the earth your possession. You will break them with an iron rod. You will shatter them like pottery. So now kings be wise. Receive instructions you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverential awe. And rejoice with trembling. Pay homage to the son. Or he will be angry with you. And you will perish in your rebellion. For his anger may ignite in any moment. But all those who take refuge in him are happy. Let me just read some of it in the NIV um, version. At the end it says, Therefore you kings be wise, be warned you rulers. Kiss the sun. Pay homage to the sun. So it's a tale of kings. It's a tale of three different situations with kings. The first one is like God is speaking. Then the, the nations of the earth and the kings of the earth are saying certain things about God. And then God is saying that I have sent my king in. And he says then at the end to all the rebel kings, be wise, kiss the sun, or you will know the wrath of God. So there's a lot going on in the area of kings. And if I could say anything that God is speaking to me in these last couple of weeks, is about acknowledging the kingship of who Jesus is. So we hear here that, that he answers, and like I was reading this, I read this over and over again throughout the week. I read it in different translations, and I love the way certain translations of the Bible brings out certain things for you to catch a hold of and to get a glimpse of. But here, I was walking out the other day, and the question is, why do nations scheme? Why do kings plot against the Lord? Like, and I was asking myself, why in the world do they? Because it says that God is so incredible that he laughs at the plans and the plots and the schemes of man. Now, do you remember last week I told you that you can look at Psalms, the four sections of the Psalms, and you can look back and, and there's lots of, in Psalm up to say 1 to 20, there's um, lots of Genesis in Psalms. And the, 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 the Psalms can be broken up into five sections and you will read in them the five books of the Pentateuch, which is what Moses wrote. With Genesis, Leviticus, Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. These are very good. 
And you can see them. And in Psalm 2 you can see Genesis about the nations conspiring against God. Do you remember the Tower of Babel? You can see man coming together to build a tower that would reach the heavens. And then God comes down and he confuses them all by giving them all different languages. So where they were all talking in one language, one of them started speaking French. Or Mexican. Or Irish. And they're like, how are we ever going to build this when none of us even understand each other? That's right. How are you getting on? I don't know how I'm getting on because I can't understand you. You can see man trying to build his way, his way to heaven, make his way to heaven. And God confuses. That's not anything happening. Conspiring. Because here's the reality. You cannot make your way to heaven. All the good things that me and you could try do doesn't get us to heaven. We cannot build a holy enough life to get to heaven. That's the beauty of God. We don't get to him. He came to us. He sent his king. And when we bow down and kiss his king, his son, we receive from the kingdom of God. Why do the nations conspire? Why do they when God is so, um, in a sense, uh, 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 aloof? So much higher, so much exalted than man's. God is not up in, up in heaven going, do you know what? There at it again, I'm going worried. He's not worried, he's laughing. He's just like, look at them. Again, trying to plot against me. There was a girl last week in church telling me, in Clondalkin telling me that, um, that her husband is mad into, you know, create, not creation as we would know it, but like the Big Bang and atheism and all this stuff. And she says he waxed lyrical about all these things that he finds. And she says, no, no, she didn't know about this, Sam. But she says, uh, no, do you know what? Every time he gets on one, I end up going. <laughs> <laughs> and I says to her, because I was reading Sam 1, remember what I I says, when I tell you what Sam, what Sam 2 says, so was, when I tell you what Sam 2 says, I says that God laughs, giggles, like at the plots and schemes of man. And I said, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the, the laugh of God coming out. And she goes, I don't know where it comes from. She says, he gets on and the next minute she goes, <laughs> <laughs> nearly sarcastically, at man's limited intellect, understanding. That God's like, you know nothing. And this is what they said. Listen to what I read out. This is what the kings that plots and conspires against God. This is what they say. He says, don't listen to what the Lord says. That he will put chains on you. He will put fetters on you. He will put restrictions on you. He will put destructive things on you. They're saying, the kings of this earth are saying, throw off the chains. Throw off the fetters. Throw off the word of the Lord. Throw off the name of the Lord. Throw off the ways of the Lord. Throw off the people of the Lord. Throw off the church of the God. That's what the kings of this world is saying. That's what the people are conspiring in higher places. This is what is going on. That when you read about, you say, look at the news tomorrow. Look, read the independent. You will see that the school, that there's, a, there's an agenda to get God out of schools. Crosses out of chapels. Altars out of ch- churches. You go to a ho- you go to a hospital, and it's now for everybody where there used to be a cross. Why? Because the nations, the kings of this world, are conspiring, saying, "Get that off of you." Why would you have them on you? Why would why would you allow something to make you their their view of God is restrictive? Now, if I'm being honest, there's a way that I couldn't. 
Explain. Does I couldn't blame them half the times. Because the representatives of God have made him like that to people. Have presented God as this restrictive, controlling, angry, step out of line, you're gone, God. People that have represented him in this nation have ruined children and generations of children. Hello. Come on. And they're the, the, the kings of this world are buying into that and saying, why would you have this God? Why would you allow these restrictions upon you? They're, don't mind them who represents But what God is doing is calling the people in these days to, to represent them. Amen. To break down the, the things that is in their minds and their generations that we have a view of God. He, that's what he's doing. That's what the freedom equip is about. To break down that so we know who we are in Jesus. We know who Jesus is. And the things from wrongdoing or wrong thinking or wrong representation is broken off of us. They represented God and the king of heaven poorly at times. But here's what they're saying. Look at the intent. Look at what's behind the story behind the story. They're saying, like, don't let God, don't forget God. Forget his ways. The kings of this world are saying to the people of the world, be your own king. Don't let God put anything on you. Be, be the king of your own destiny. Be the king of your own castle. Be the king of your own heart. Be the king of your own future. Be the king of your own finances. Be the king of your own family. Is that not this world today? Is that not the values of this world? Is that not what we're hearing through the philosophers and the government and, and, and politicians that represent? Just do your own thing as long as you're not hurting anybody. They're allowing their children who are four to decide what gender they are. Come on. These philosophers of our world and, and people that are in higher powers that are conspiring against the God image. There is in their children and parents. We can't allow our children to decide what they are. They're children. When I was a young boy, I wanted to be John Wayne. Imagine if my man and dad would have said, go on, Johnny. <laughs> it was good when I was a kid, but he says, now, Noly, you're not John Wayne, you're Noel Kenny. Parent their children. Direct their children. They're not their own kings. We're the ones that are responsible. We've been given them by the king to look after and raise up. But the kings of this world, live according to what you want. Let them be what they think they be. Hello. Do you know, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a pastor, an apostle in the city. And I talked to him last week. He says, no, God has taken me around Europe to pray. I was like, wow. I said, I'm just talking to him. I go, where are you this week? He goes, I'm in Hungary. I didn't know what he'd done. He was in Finland the week before. He was in Spain like a month before. And I was like, what's the story with you and all the travel? He said, no, God has just taken me. I find myself standing on borders in Europe. He was praying three years ago on the border of Ireland about Brexit and praying against things and into things that we're only hearing about in the news today. He said, God has us a step ahead. Do you know the church is usually lagging behind? But he said, the church, and nobody says to me, if you look around Europe, the majority of the leaders, 
Leo. I keep calling your woman Imelda May over in England. Theresa May. She hasn't got her bonbons. <laughs> Who else? The French. The German. I think the Italian, like so many, the Scottish leader. None of them have children. None of them have children. And they're saying, you let your children be what they want them to be. No, we're there to lead them. We're there to guide them. You're not Spongebob. Like I'm just saying, let's, let's see how much it can make. But if we keep buying them Spongebob square pants and dressing them up and sending them to school and they're all going to school and his name is Noly and you're calling them Spongy, what's he going to grow up as? Confused. Not knowing his identity as a human being, as a young boy or as a person. That's what God is saying. They're conspiring. And as Christians, we need to know the word of God so that we're not agreeing with the kings of this world, that we're agreeing with the king of heaven. This is why he's, I don't care if I'm ridiculed. I don't care if they slag me. I want the kid to come up and say, thanks for standing for me. I know my mom gave you a hard time. I know this, but thanks to he who created me. The inmost being. He who saw my unformed body had a plan and a purpose for my life. Don't have this King Jesus as your king. Be your own. And you look at the world and all the kings that are conspiring. Can you say this world is getting better? Can anyone stand up and go, yeah, this world is the best place. We, we're not saying that. They're not saying that. The kings of this earth are not saying it. The ones in high officials are not saying it. The financial corridors of the world are not saying it. The, the, the NGOs and, and countries that are poorly and, and being bothered, they're not saying that it's getting better. It's a situation of Humpty Dumpty sand the wall and all the king's horse and all the king's men can't put Humpty together again because they never created them. They can tell him you're together. They can dress him up like he's together. But every time he walks, he falls apart again. In the Passion Translation of that Psalm 2, he says, to, he says, he addresses the rebel kings. He says, rebel kings, kiss the king, kiss the son, bow down. That's what it means to kiss somebody in, in, in that era and that time. It's like he says, kiss the son. I've sent my king on Mount Zion. I've sent my king. God is now speaking to the conspirators, the conspiracy theories, the, the plotters, the planners, the schemers of this world. He says, I've sent my king on Mount Zion. And those who kiss him, pay him homage, are the ones who prosper, are the ones who are blessed. To kiss someone in them days, the Apostle Peter says, greet each other with a holy kiss. Watch out. What did it mean? It means you're welcome. I honor you. I pay homage to who you are. I acknowledge that you are even above me. Because I prefer you above myself. And he's saying to those, those, those um, rebel kings, be wise, kiss the sun. Kiss the one who I have enthroned on Mount Zion. Bow down to him. He's not going to put fetters on you. He's going to free you up. When you kiss him, you're saying, I acknowledge your presence. I acknowledge. Now imagine this. If I greet Jesus with a holy kiss, 
I wonder, does the Son greet me with a holy kiss? Talk about intimacy with the King. You talk about inviting him into your life. That I don't want to be the king of my castle, Jesus. The king of my own destiny. I give my life to the king who see it on the throne. That's what it is to be a Christian. It's to say to the king that knows everything from the beginning to the end. I submit to the king above all kings. I'm the one that submits to you. Do you remember in, 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 in David's life, it's, it's, um, David uh, becomes king and uh, great victories and he realized that the Ark of the Covenant which God had told Moses to build, to put in the tabernacle in Moses' day in Exodus, if you read it, you'll see that, that like there, was a, there was a whole tabernacle that like there was a procession of things that ended up in a place called the Holy of Holies within the, within the whole system and in there there was an Ark, a gold laden um, wooden box and in it were certain things and then there was um, two cherubims on either end made of gold and the presence of God would come from heaven and dwell in that holy of holy place. It represents the presence of the king amongst the people. So, so the, it was gone from, from there. It was, um, it was in another man's house because it all got messed up. And so the, Moses' tabernacle was in a place called Gil, Gilbeah. It was a, so you can imagine all the people of God going to Moses' tabernacle, doing the offerings, washing their hands in the, le- the labor, all the priests going up into this place. Then one priest once a year could go into the holies. So all the religious ordinations, all the religious ceremonies to get into where the presence of God is, he's not there. Why? Because the ark is not there. It's in Obadidim's house. So David is like, now after coming king, and he, 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 he's like, he's the king of the castle. He's the king of Jerusalem. He's the king of Israel. He's been, he's been in, inaugurated. He's been coronated in as the king overall. God's anointing was upon him to be the king. And David says one day, the presence of God is in someone's house. I want it in Jerusalem. Long story short, they go and they get it. And they bring it. Listen, don't settle for religion. Without his presence. Don't settle for all the right things. I'm going to do this, do this, do this. Tick all the boxes. Blah, 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 blah. And all you are is a religious empty vessel. David says, I'm not settling for that. So he goes to get the Ark of the Covenant. They bring her up to Jerusalem. Read Psalm 24 and you see what was going on. So David comes into Jerusalem. And uh, he, he, you know that Psalm, he goes, like, swing wide. Lift up your head, O ye gates. Swing wide you everlasting doors so that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. And he's, he's walking up to Jerusalem with all these possessions. There was calves getting slaughtered every six steps or something. There was an offering being on while well, the Ark of the Covenant was being brought into Jerusalem. Now listen, David was the king. But he was saying to Jerusalem, there's another king. There wasn't only one king that entered into Jerusalem that day. There was two kings. There was David who was the king of Israel. But the king of all kings he was bringing into Jerusalem. He was saying, God, Jesus, I bow down to you. I bow down to a greater king. I make you king of this castle called Jerusalem. I make you king of Israel. And we need to learn how to bow down. We need to welcome Jesus into our house. David stripped off. Listen, read it yourself. He stripped off. I'll tell you where it is. It's in 2 Samuel 6. It says David took off 
and stripped down to his linen white ephod. He took off his kingship so that he wasn't the center of attention so that the king of kings could be. He bowed down. Not, willing, not many are willing to bow down. Not many are willing to, to, to strip off to make Jesus king. Not many are willing to drop their ego. Not many are willing to drop their own um, prestige for the honor of Jesus. Not will, many are willing to become nothing so that the king gets all the glory. But this is what David done. He was like, don't look at me. Look at who's coming with me. Look who is behind me. Look who is for me. And I'm making Jesus the king. I'm making the king of kings the king of Jerusalem. He said, swing wide, you everlasting gates. How does this apply to you? Is Jesus king of your home? Is Jesus king of your heart? Do I strip off everything that I want to say, king, what do you want? See, when I do that, I'm bulletproof. See, when I do that, you can't do this. (laughs) Can't. My prayer is on fire. My speaking in tongues is on fire. My prophecy is on fire. My reading of the word is on fire. Why? Because I'm saying, Lord, I strip off everything that Noel is to gain all that Jesus is. That's why Paul says, I'm hidden in Christ. Because he was saying, don't look at me. Look at him who I'm hidden in. That's why David stripped off. Open open the gates of Jerusalem because look who's coming through. Oh, there's David. He's like all the other priests. Yeah, but look who's with me. Is he the king of our house? David was saying, to Jerusalem and the gates, move out of the way. The king is coming. Move out of the way. Lift up your heads. Swing wide you gates. Everything that was here forever. Lift, up, lift them up and get out of the way because he's coming true. And when you go home this week, here's your take home for this week. Say at the end, <laughs> go to your house. Open the door. Say, Jesus, you're welcome as king. Into your marriage, Jesus, you're welcome as king. Into relationships, Jesus. Jesus, because as long as I hold on to it, I have to do something about it. As long as I make a mind, I have to provide for it, resource for it, come up with the solutions from it. For it. But when I say Jesus, you come in. David brings, he moves everything out of the way. The king is coming in. And this is what happened at the end of it. David says, David gave everyone cakes of raisins and he gave them food. Because what are you saying? What was being communicated that when the king of kings is in the house, provisions in the house. Power is in the house. You will never see David's life, David's uh, Israel going after foreign gods during David, David's reign. Why? Because he exalted the king of kings. But as long as if he was begun to come a king, he'd become an idol in the people's life. So he says, no, I'm not an idol. He's the one that has to be worshipped. Provisions in the house. But when he's not the king, he goes, you do it then, no. I know. You provide for the Noli. You come up with the resource for it. You come up with the strategy for it. You come up with the power to accomplish it. You want to be king? Well, then go be king. But when the king bows down, I'm not the king. You're the king. Are you the king of your own life? Are you worried? I wonder why you struggled. You worried why provision hasn't come in the way you're taught. Power hasn't come in. Maybe you need to bow the knee. And I don't know about you, 
I told people my secret. I don't know which meeting was that. I said, I want to show you, tell you a secret. I give my heart to Jesus every day. I give my heart to Jesus every day. You know why? Because I'm quick to take it back. I can give him in the morning, in the afternoon, I'm king again. I'll give him in the night before I wake up in the morning, I'm the king of my own castle again. Trying to work out how do I get free? How do I get healed? How do I get here? How do I do this? David says, I'm not the king. He's the king. When we were in Lesotho, just there in October, the chief of the village that we're in, that Christian chief is in, in Halabese, Sheila sent me, that was the text, she puts it into the one, one day, what's, what's it, Rati, the WhatsApp thing, what's up, WhatsApp. <laughs> and then, uh, I, I was, met some, some, some girls when we were over there, like, around the 12, 13 mark, all still in school. I was walking back from the house one day and I says, what do you like to do? Like, what, What's your favourite things to do? And they all said, read. And I'm like, that's music to my ears because I love reading. And my dad was an amazing reader. My dad's wardrobe wasn't full of clothes, it was full of books. It was unbelievable, right? And uh, that right down, like, always joining book clubs and where are you going with the library? Just an amazing reader. And I remember when I was a kid, my dad saying to me, Noel, if you read, you can be anywhere in the world. You can be in Africa if you're reading a book about Africa. You just let your imagination run wild. And uh, and so reading always became really important to me. And and um, so when they said that, I was like, dink. And I was like, so tell me. So I took the names, there were six or seven of them. I took their names and what book they wanted and whatever. And I says, look, I'm going to get them over to you. I don't know how, but I'm going to get them over to you when I come back. Which would have been probably next this October coming. I said it to Ken and I said, Ken, you wouldn't believe him. Ken says, we're gonna, I said, we're going to build a library in that village. It's going to be the only village in, in Lesotho with a, with, a, with a library, I'm telling you. And Ken says, someone in, in, Lib- in no, what's that place? What's that little college in there? Trinity College um, said that if we build the library that they'll put, they'll put the books in. I didn't know that before that, but Ken says, I'm like, when you tell me, I just know, no context. So anyway, come Christmas, Sheila's two daughters was going over and uh, I couldn't go, I couldn't find those books. So, just, so anyway, I raided my office, raided everything to find books that would be suitable. And I put them all in little packages and I sent them over with the girls' names and Dropped in a little bar of chocolate on the way, and there was one of the little books called the ABC of Jesus or something. I don't know what it was. Sheila sends a text last week that she was reading it to all the girls. She she realised that the, the Lord was moving over the last couple of weeks because the young girls and that was listening was crying and they didn't know what was going on. She said she started so A could be for Adam. I don't know. He could be for Bible. So he could be for Christ. I, d- I don't know. It's only a little kid's book with about 26 little hard wooden pages in it. She led them all to Jesus. Right? Why am I saying that? When we were over there, I had one message to speak on the Wednesday and then I asked the Lord for a word for the Sunday. The Lord gave me a message. About two villages because we were in a village. Two villages. Um, Nazareth 
and Capernaum. When you read it, you read Jesus was going to his hometown, Nazareth. So if you ask me where would I like God to just bring everyone into the kingdom of one swoop, I'd say Dolphin House, where I was born and raised. My hometown. People I love there. My family are there. You know, so Jesus was going back to give his hometown a crack at this. Do you remember what they said? This is only Joseph's son. He read out, remember the scroll he read out? Isaiah 61. Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Some was in awe and some says, is that the carpenter's son? Unbelief. Jesus leaves no miracles. Nothing. They said, we don't want you as the king of the spirits. So they got nothing that came from the kingdom. Goes to Capernaum, another village. First miracle, someone in the, in the synagogue gets delivered from a demon. Demons hide out in religious places. They're bum out. Someone gets healed. Peter's mother-in-law, he goes to her house. She gets healed. Then all the village turns up where all their sick and all them get healed. Or says, chief. Chief is a lady. Most unusual in that, in our, in our culture. Because God wants to do an unusual thing. Chief, today I'll give you a choice. I said a lot more words than this, by the way. I gave many reasons why she could make this choice. Make Jesus chief of the village. And all this gets released then. Here's kids coming to know the Lord. Or not? Chief, will you signal this by putting up your hand if you want Jesus to be the king of the village? The same is offered to us today. Will you make him king? Do you go into your home and open the door and say, Jesus, go into your house, allow the Holy Spirit to bring you on a tour of your own house. Get rid of that. Hello. If you have a Buddha statue in your house, put it in the shoe. Then you don't have anything that the king doesn't want. You don't know what's attached to them things. You don't know what you're inviting into your home because everything will have a spiritual dimension. We go, remember someone going, it's only a statue. Well then get rid of it, it's only a statue. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It brings me good luck. I remember the Chinese woman in, in the thing wanted me to bring home, you know, the little, the good luck cat. Keep your cat I don't even like cats. Well, that's for protection. I don't need protection from some gimmick. But it's, it's, it's the statue of Mary. Get rid of her. There's only a king. There's not a queen. Get it out. I'm screaming here. Get it out. I'm telling you. You think this is you think this is not real? I got it from a missionary. I got a gift from another part of the world. Three monkeys. See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. I put them on my fireplace. They were lovely. They were a friend. They were a gift from my friend. I don't know what's attached to these things. A woman from America was coming over to speak. She says to the guy who was bringing her over, I need to see no. The Lord has given me a word for him. Don't tell me anything that's going on. Don't tell me. I just want to see with Nolan and Sharon. I want to tell, tell her what the Lord. 
I know, I know, honey, I'm the preacher. I know where I'm going. She can tell me what to do at home. In front of all these people, I'm going to be brave. Don't you know that I'm the king of my castle? Oh, man. Oh, no. That's once. What's I going to say now? See what happens. So she wanted to speak to me. Well, she didn't know that I'd lost my voice. I'd gone to um, consultants. I had to go to speech therapy to get my voice back. It was gone. I'd done everything that was natural. It's only your voice. You're only, you're abusing your voice box, I was told. And all this stuff, I'd, I'd nodules growing, there was operations being talked about that, that if, if it's not successful, I could left with, with just a, a, a harsh voice. Hmm. <laughs> I was waiting on someone else to do it, so. Um, Mary Anderson comes over, sits down. She's, there's something wrong with your voice. Yeah. I stopped talking. Sheridan thought she went deaf. Well, I just, I stopped talking. I was in church when everyone was singing. I stand there like, not talking. Anyone trying to shut me up. I'm a preacher. I'm a declarer of the word of God. I carry apostolic anointing. I speak prophetically the words of God. I teach people about God. Why wouldn't the enemy want to shut me up? She says to me, have you got anything that a missionary gave you? Why? She says, it's something attached of the devil to it. I went in and got the three little monkeys. <laughs> there was a non-speaking thing on it. I'm like, what's that? Actually, to get up, just say it. So she said that she she had never met us before, and um, she didn't really want to know anything about us. But she kind of had a vision of Noel, and she had like this necklace around his neck with a monkey's head was attached. I'm like, it's only three pieces of lump of wood. No, but you don't know what's attached to a Noel. I didn't give it to a friend. I dumped it. I broke them up so no one else in the dump could find them and bring them home to their house. Get rid of it. People, I went into a woman's house and prayed. Not a Christian asked me to pray in her house because it was all demonic activity in her house. I said, okay. Went up, can I walk around your house? Yeah. Walked around, love, you're asking me to come here. I'm going to tell you what my experience is. Get rid of, get rid of, get rid of. What you do is your own business, but it's what I'm telling you. Dream catchers. Boom. You don't need a dream catcher. You have to dream giver. Do you see? Do you see? The nations, the plotting, the draggers away from God. Make him the king of your house. Make him go around your house. I'm not telling you. Just whatever you do, don't get rid of your husband around. Right? That's like, you know, that'll get me into trouble. But David was saying, he's the king. He's the king. Do you know what the tithing's all about? Who's the king of your money? That's what it's about. Who's the king of your finances, Noli? Me or you? 
me, well then go ahead. You resource your life then. You resource every need that's going to come your way. You resource like the windows of heaven open on you. You propel that. You fuel that. I can't, Lord. Let me be the king. In the, in the days of um, the Crusades, there used to be mercenaries. Um, mercenaries hired to go in and slaughter. And these mercenaries would come from all over the world. But the Crusaders, here's religion for you. You're going into murder people, but you're going to have to be baptized first. There's religion. So to get baptized, the one thing they'd keep out of the water, not the sword, the purse, get baptized. You can have everything, but you're not having this. Lord, I give you my life, but you're not having this. Lord, you can be the king of the castle, but you're not going near that room. I'm not letting you near shame, Lord. I'm not letting you near, you can't be king of that. Make him king of all. Your house is full of peace. Your house is full of joy. Your house may get attacked. But this king is not like the king of the earth. This king, I've seen him go up to um, Malahide Castle. There's a few paintings in the big drawing room. And uh, it's crazy. One of the guys looks like Lionel Richie. It's the most funniest picture. I'm like, there's Lionel Richie up there on the wall. But there's another big painting of a battle scene. And the, the, the tour guide says, do you notice there's two, two people on white horses, one up the front and one down the back? And uh, he says, I want to tell you what that's about. In them days, the king always wore a white, was on a white horse. And um, so what they do is they put a decoy up the front. So the enemy would go after that, thinking it's the king. But that's the king really hidden there. That's not the way our king does it. Our king goes out. He's indestructible. He goes out in front of us. So when the enemy comes against your castle, you don't go out because you're not the king. You're an understudy. He's the king of kings. He's not someone that hides back. He's someone that goes out. Look at David going out to Goliath. He knew the king was already gone before him. That's why he went out. That's why when Saul wanted to put the, the other king wanted to put the, um, the, 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 the armor on him, his armor on him, he says, I don't want the armor. I'm stripping down. I'm in my weakness, he's strong. Why would I get all puffed up and full of ego and going out there? If you go out there full of that, God says, you take the joint on. Sons of Sceva. You take the devil on, sons of Sceva. Or you let me go out. I'll take them on. Why? Because I'm your king. You want to see an illustration of who's kings? Who's the king of kings and who's the king? Look at 1 Samuel 17. Saul, who became the king of Israel, didn't recognize the king of kings. Chapter 17. That king and all his army, full of fear and dismay. David walks up. It's all right, God will take care of us. He says to Goliath, you come against me with sword and jab, and I come against you with the king. So who's fighting your battles? Are you going out yourself? Are you going king of kings? Why does the Bible say that the battle belongs to the Lord? <laughs> Are you trying to defeat it in your own strength and getting beaten every time? Stop going out in your own strength. Stop going out with your own timing, your own strategy, and rest in the king. 
Rest in the knowledge and the understanding that he can do absolutely anything. He can remove kings and, and, and put kings in places. He can take governments and reduce them to nothing and raise up governments. He's the king of kings. Whether they know it or not, he is. Whether they recognize it or not, it doesn't matter, he is. That's why he laughs. <laughs> Crazy humans doing it again. Where does it lead? So your take home is this. Remember last week, I have one more slide up there actually. What's them slides coming up? Okay. I've my slides here. This is what Paul said. For our, remember last week we had communion? Fantastic. I love to listen to everyone sitting around talking, praying, engage with one another. I was standing here and I, I, I attempted to go over and sit. Well, I did sit with Bob and his missus, Pauline. And then I got up and I stood here for a moment. And I listened and looked at everybody and took a photograph. Not for Facebook, just for me. And uh, I just went down the back stairs. I had a cup of tea by myself. Because I loved when the people is the people of God is not on the sidelines. They're right in the middle. So that was last week. This is where I want to send you to home this week. Have communion. Take someone with you if you need to. It doesn't matter. I have communion on my own. I'm not on my own. Paul says, For I received from the Lord, 1 Corinthians 11, I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup and said, This cup is the new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this week, break bread. What are you doing? You're remembering what you're doing. You're proclaiming his death. What are you doing? You're proclaiming the kingship of Jesus. King over the grave. King over sin. King over the devil. King over the man's schemes. You're proclaiming until he comes. So in your home, break bread and you're saying, Lord, you're the king. Lord, I'm proclaiming your kingship over my home, my family. I give you my all as much as you can give him. Give it to him. Don't let yesterday's mistakes or failures rob you from, from today. Don't let it. That's what communion's all about. That if you're far off, this is the time to come near. This is the time to recognize this healing, forgiveness in His blood. Some people go, well, make sure everything is all right. This is the time to make sure everything is all right. The Bible goes on and says, judge yourself. Judge your own heart. Where are you at with God? And then when you judge, you come to correct judgments, then get right with God. But you're saying in your home, Jesus, you're the King. I'm proclaiming that till you come back. Let him be the king. See your way with children. Let the king look after you. No, don't be the king. Pray to the king. Do what the king tells you. I'm not saying we, 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 we sit back and don't do that. That's not the way he does it. He wants us involved in the victory. He wants us to walk in that victory so we can tell others about the victory. Just announce him, King. Some people probably haven't got a home. Say to him, Jesus, when I go home, you're the king. 
I want to make you a king of my castle. I want to make you king of my finances. I want to make you king of my marriage. I want to make you king of my body, Lord. Everything. This morning, in the morning when I get up, you want to know all my prayers? Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my mind. I give you my body. Honestly, I've been praying this recently. If anyone's near me, Jesus, I strip off him all this. I take off everything that would bring attention to me. Anything that would cause people to look to me instead of me pointing to you, I take it off. There's ministries built around pointing the finger to the right, wrong king. That's why they beat God's people up for, for provision. That's why they manipulate with scriptures for people to give into their kingdom. Because they're financing it ourselves. Come on. When you point to the king, he provides. Don't build your ministry around you. Build it around the king. His presence. Build a throne for him to sit on. You want to be happy with man? You want man to demand to pat you on the back? Or the king? There's your choice. That's what we're all left with. I'm going to do this for man to like me. Or for the king? The same man that will like me will dump me tomorrow. The king will never leave me nor forsake me. Let's stand. I don't know what to do at the end. But I'm sending you home to break bread. And by breaking bread, you're proclaiming the kingship of Jesus. Listen to what it says about the king. Jesus, he swallowed death. He swallowed death. He took the sting out of the grave. Oh, death, where he swallowed it up. What a king. Jesus, we repent of looking to any other king. We turn away from the self-king and we look to the king of love. I repent of proclaiming myself king and I want to acknowledge that you're the king. King of my home, king of my life, king of my heart. I exalt you in my life, Jesus. I, I, I repent of making you a small king. I repent of listening to the conspirators and the plotters and the schemers that just pull us away from who you are. I re- repent of hanging out with rebel kings. I repent of putting on someone else's armor. Today I strip down like David. David's wife was standing on the balcony, Mikhail. David was down to the linen ephod, dancing like a crazy guy. His wife was up there going, he's making a show of us. Believe me, people will scoff at you. People will say, what are you doing? You're getting too much into this religious stuff. You're going too far with that Jesus stuff. That's Mikhail up on the balcony. What are you doing, David? 
he goes, you think this is, this is incredible? When you see what's going to come, I'm going to build a sound in Jerusalem of worship and adoration that this whole city is going to dance like I'm dancing. This whole city is going to sing the songs that God has given me. He was just a rebel. He was saying that Jerusalem is going to look like this Jerusalem called David. Why do you think it's called the city of David? Because it represented his heart for God. The Michaels are always there. Are you going to let be? You going to let him be the king, or Michael be your queen? Just ask how you have. Who he prefer today, Jezebel or Jesus? Amen. Okay. Put your hand on the shoulder of someone says. Just Sharon sent gave me that text there. She just said, Tell the rest of the story. Listen, I got my voice back and I haven't sure up since. Honestly, he's tried to shut me up since. But he's back. Jesus is back being the king. And the voice of the king is being heard. Just just tell someone beside you, Jesus is my king. Come on, lift, lift your voice. I'm making Jesus the king of my life today. I'm sick of running my own life. I'm sick of power in my own life. Financing my own life. And trying to make my own way in life. I'm sick of, of blowing my own trumpet. I'm sick of pointing people to me. I'm sick of all that stuff. I'm sick of selfishness. I'm sick of narcissism. I'm sick of all of that stuff. Jesus is my king. Tell them. Jesus is my king. Yeah, come on. Look them in the eye. Be confident. Come on, Mikael. Jesus is my king. He's the king of my castle. He's the king of my heart. Hallelujah, Jesus. So, Lord, as we just declare your kingship over our lives, Lord, we say, Jesus, we give our lives to you afresh. We say, Jesus, be the king of our hearts, be the king of our minds, be the king of our homes, be the king of our future, be the king of our destiny. Jesus, you lead the way into battle and we follow behind you, Jesus. We thank you that you don't sound like some whimpering king. You go out and I'll be right, right behind you. That's not you, Jesus. You say, charge! You say, come on! Follow me. Let me lead you into victory. So Lord, we say to every enemy of your people, uh, the king, you have to answer to our king. We say, Jesus, you're the king in the battle. You're the king. The battle belongs to you, Jesus. Battle for your health belongs to Jesus. Battle for your wealth belongs to Jesus. Battle for your children belongs to Jesus. Battle for your future belongs to Jesus. Battle for your mind belongs to Jesus. Battle for your, your, your children's children belongs to Jesus. Battle for your generations belongs to Jesus. The battle over the prayer, the prophecy over your life, that battle belongs to Jesus. He who began the work will complete it. His word doesn't go out and comes back empty and void. It accomplished that which the king sends out to accomplish. The battle is his. So Lord, we relinquish our own abilities and our intellects to one who is higher. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts and your ways are higher than my ways. So Jesus, this week, would you open doors?
that we enter in to see the bigness of God, the bigness of who we have, who belongs to us, and who we belong to. I speak over your life the blessing of Almighty God. The Lord blesses you and keeps you. The Lord causes His face to shine upon you. The Lord lifts up His countenance upon you, and He smiles. He doesn't scoff at you, He smiles. He says, my son, my daughter, Blessings upon you today and this week, on you and yours and your children, your home, everything that belongs to you. Your generations, blessings in the name of the King. And all the people say,